All right, welcome everybody to another edition of the CarCast. Sean, I keep saying I'm Owen Newkirk, he's Sean Shapiro. We're in Sean's vehicle driving home after the Stars-St. Louis Blues game tonight. We'll get to much, much of that in a moment, but a quick digression. Sean, I keep meaning to go back and look at our podcast and count up all the car casts. So I could actually say episode number <laughs> such and such. To be fair, or to be honest, I have no idea what that number is. Neither do I. It's more than 10. It's probably less than 100, I think. Yes. Is it 50? I don't think so. Maybe, but possibly. But I just don't know. So one of these days, I, it's a, it's on my to-do list. Long-term, not very important to-do list, which would be, to be able to say, "Welcome to episode 52 of the Carcast." However, but however, it is January 12th. However, we can say it is the first episode of the Carcast where this is the only audio post-game show you will find. That's right. No uh, radio pre-game or post-game show tonight. We did have an extended pre-game show, which was nice. We really. We covered all the bases in 45 minutes instead of I'm a half sure an hour. sure you were mediocre, too. No, we were, um, you know what, I am, of full disclosure, I am playing Hurt as a broadcaster tonight. I've been congested with this sinus, uh, mucus pressure, uh, it just, it's not, I'm not playing at 100%, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to let that make, I'm not going to make any excuses, and I'm going to execute, we're going to get the job done. Yes. Um, speaking of execution tonight, something that the Dallas Stars seemed to lack was execution. Yes. Now, there are, you will hear a lot of comments about lackluster effort or just going through the motions. I think there's a difference between try and intensity. I think that even if it's, it looks lackluster, I think that the, it's not for lack of try. But it might be... It a, can be both. It could be both. It can be both. But I think that the execution tonight was lacking, and I think that the urgency wasn't there until too late, just like the Philadelphia game. There was no effort tonight either. You don't think there was any effort? You don't think guys were trying? I didn't see much effort. I just... I didn't see much at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. The first period was not very good again. No. I saw that was a real problem. Here, here's the thing. When you talk about effort, I saw Val Nishushin show effort, and I give Val credit for showing effort, but there weren't many people who showed effort. Okay. That's, um, I, I don't think that's an unfair statement. Val actually uh, created a couple of scoring chances tonight. Um, I, the, the thing that really stands out to me, and just an overview, is that when the Stars are having success, typically they win the net front battle. Sean, you've written about this as part of Monty's process yes. at length, yes. including recently. We can we can pretty much quantify this actually. I believe. Right. Um, in their in their uh, 20, uh, 21 wins now. How many wins do they have this season? Is it twenty one? Uh, I think it's twenty one. Yeah, I think twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two. They have twenty two. Yeah, I think the number is I might be off by one or two, but it's basically they've won the net front battle in nineteen of the twenty wins or whatever. And when they win the net front battle, they've only lost twice. Right. So. And the two times they lost, it was when they won the went next for a battle, came in games where their rush defense let them down, which is typically a strength. But point being, the net front is a huge... And that was really only what? The Chicago the game? The Chicago game, yeah. Which were which was very uncharacteristic of the Chicago players. game, and uh, I think it was the Dubnik game in Minnesota where Dubnik stole a game from them. In Minnesota or in Dallas? Uh, I think it was in Dallas. It was in Dallas, yeah. They yeah, won yeah, the yeah. game in, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, to touch on the net front battle... 
Val had a couple of good hard shots that were scoring chances. They were in the home plate shaped area and forced good saves from Bennington, but they were not with screens and they were not the kind of play where you're, you're making the goalie move. He had to move less than you did when you tried to correct a swerve in your own lane. You're yes. drifting. And yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, just trying to keep you honest. Yes. Accountability as we is, should be. As is we should. important We don't, we, we don't want to be mediocre. No. You know what? We want to be honest. Exactly. Right? We're, all we're asking for is an honest assessment. <laughs> but ultimately tonight, as I continue to roll my eyes at your yeah, yeah, yeah. conscious keep going, keep effort going. Keep going. Keep going. endangering our lives yes, against your own principles, which you stood on a high horse and know. preached while you said I shouldn't text while driving, which I try not to. Yes. Well, this, yes. Anyway, I don't think the Stars went to the net front enough, and I don't think they did a good enough job to win the battle of the net front. They did that against St. Louis on Tuesday. They had a couple of plays where they were down low and won some puck battles. They got a couple of goals. They also drew a couple of penalties because of it. Tonight, they did none of those things. Yeah, it's... They didn't show up tonight. Like, can we just... I mean, I don't even... We can break it down into different things, but this hockey team did not show up to play tonight. They didn't show up to play in Philadelphia the other night, and they only showed up for one period in St. Louis on Tuesday. Like, it's... They played nine periods of hockey this week. If... if you want to say one good one? One good one where they actually showed up. Like, Well, let's go through the goals quickly. Okay. First period, two goals for St. Louis. Yes. And it didn't help. Now, look, the Blues got off to the perfect road start. They scored on oh, the yeah, first no, shot of no. the game. Yes, give, give St. Louis credit for that. And Tarasenko did something that he has not done much this season, which is look lethal. Yeah. We were talking about it after the, the game on Tuesday in St. Louis. Vladimir Tarasenko did not look threatening at all. No, he didn't. And in previous iterations of Stars Blues, you were always fearful when 91 in St. Louis had the puck. Yes. Just like I'm sure many teams are when 91 for the Stars had yeah. the puck on his stick, because you're just thinking at any moment he scores. Give him two feet, bang, goal. Oh, boy, here we go again. Yeah. He scores on the first shot of the game. It was a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um could Miro have defended that a little bit better? He did give him – he had his stick to the outside, I think trying to defend yeah. against Tarasenko, trying to go wide, and he just cut back in and snapped it inside the far post. It was a great shot. My bigger issue with the first goal, actually, it wasn't the defending of it right – it wasn't the defending of it on the goal itself. It was the – we talked so much, and I talked to Monty about this when we were actually in uh, Philly, about how the Stars panicked too much a bit when it – when getting the puck out of the zone. And that's the way I looked at it, actually, was where this was a result of a panicked clearance out of the zone. Okay. And then the quick regroup by St. Louis just coming back against a panicked defense. That's kind of how I looked at it more. So So it's it's a scramble defense instead of a setup allowing them to come in to where you want them to be, funneling them to certain areas. And you put yourself in a bad position because you failed to clear the zone effectively. Yes. Okay, fair enough. I mean, that that happens sooner. Yes, yes, yes. I don't really fault your goaltender on that. No, I don't. I I thought that was an excellent shot. He cut back and shot through the screen of Miro. Yeah. And he picked the corner, far side. Good shot. Okay, so one nothing. The second goal, I think, was a backbreaker in this game. I think so, too. And it came on a turnover on the line that would eventually score the, the only Stars goal of the night. Yes. But they were trying to make a Spezza Condra and Yanmark. 
were in the offensive zone and they turned the puck over and got caught all three forwards down low. Yeah. So you have an odd man rush the other way. And St. Louis was doing this, Sean, after the first goal, which was what Ken Hitchcock used to have them do all the time. Park yeah. the bus and counterattack. Mm-hmm. And they, when you're on the road and you have the and lead, a, you can do that. And a tremendous pass by Sunquist. Well, I, I'll yeah, get yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so they counterattack. Sunquist comes down the left side and makes a beautiful feed. Cross-ice saucer. And Maroon gets the better of Esselindel and makes a great finish. Yes. Now, that is what Patrick Maroon should do. He has the skill to score goals and the size to drive the net. And he did both on that play. Correct. Again, just like Tarasenko, he has not had a good year. But no. he showed a flash of what is expected of a guy of his ability. Yes. 2 nothing, and there's your period. Yeah. And now you're in a real hole because we talked about how St. Louis might actually be a better road team than a home team mm-hmm. right now. They just – and they have the fourth best goals against average. They can't score on the road no. typically, but they, they don't give up many. They're fourth in the league coming yeah. in tonight in goals against. Yep. Well – you spot a team that's defensively stingy, a two-goal lead on the road, that's going to lead to a tough mathematical comeback equation. Yeah, and especially when you're not really doing much. I mean, second period comes around, and, I mean, yeah, Jason Spezza has a shot that hits the crossbar, but really, the Stars didn't generate that much in the second period. I mean, the only positive thing that really came out of the second period for the Stars is Alexander Radulov leaves the game and you're happy he comes back because he went really down really awkwardly on his knee. And you see like, it on the same play that Sagan was yes, hobbling. In that yes. Position. So two of your three top-line players look like they might be out of the game at that moment. Fortunately, they both came back and finished, but I'll guarantee you they're not feeling great. No, I wouldn't be no, surprised no. if either one of them uh, – I don't know if they're going to skate tomorrow. Yeah. They said they're going to do an odd dry land or something. But, yeah. um, but here's the thing, Sean. In that second period – the Stars had slightly more quality chances than St. Louis. It was 8-6. to six. Yeah. But I actually think that St. Louis had the best chance. And it was Jaden Schwartz partial breakaway down the left wing on a neutral zone turnover. Yeah. And Bishop made a fabulous save. Now, Schwartz was kind of held to that side, mm-hmm. but he's a goal scorer, and Bishop made the save. Yeah. So that was good. And then Spetz's play was... You really like that one to go in because you needed a spark. It was an excellent shot. It beat Bennington clean, and it hit the it squarely hit the, the crossbar. Spencer did that a couple game you know, on the last yeah. home stand. It scored bar down. It was against Detroit. Yeah, and you know a couple quarter of an inch, half an inch, or whatever it was, maybe an inch down. It does that. But as you said, he skated into the high slot, so it wasn't that close to the net. He yeah. was in the pocket and fired. It was really not a – it wasn't as if there was three men hitting the line and driving the play. No, it was just no. one guy in a moment. It was one guy in a moment, and it was a hell of a shot. It's, it's, but it's the type of thing you can't rely on offensively. Um, and then, I mean, that's that's really all you take from this. Like, as you said, the other thing that's interesting, and it's this – I'm sure this will come up with the questions because I'm sure there's been a ton. Um, we talk about – you mentioned Jaden Schwartz. He's a goal scorer. How many times there's not many guys with the Dallas Stars where you can mention, oh, breakaway for this guy, he's a goal scorer. That's something I'm sure we'll touch on uh, in questions and such. But let's let's get through the game real quick. So so that's the yeah, end of the second. End of the period. second. You're down, no yeah. goals in the second. Usually their best period, and it was not their best period Correct. tonight. Third and period. So you go to the third. Third period. Um, 
Star score, Eric Condra on the deflection, his first goal since 2016. Um, it was uh, April of 2016, yeah. so it was the end of the 15-16 season. Mm-hmm. Not even 16-17. Yep. And he gets... Uh, coincidentally, the last year that Stars made the playoffs. Yes. Um, he gets... Uh, they, they they challenged for the Blues challenge for goal interference. It was a it, it was, was a hey why not? It was it was it was one of those why not. Um, it was not never going to happen because yeah. even if there was incidental contact with the goalie, mm-hmm. Vince Dunn shoved Jason Smith yes. into the crease. Yes. So there's no way you call that. If they Correct. called that, it would have been a farce. So the, so that moment you're thinking, okay, maybe the Stars are into this game. Maybe maybe they're maybe they're going to be able they to come back. Half a period to go yeah back. yeah you're like okay maybe. Then they don't really generate much, and then Jason Spezza takes an offensive zone penalty. And let me ask you about that penalty. Okay. It was he's forechecking the pressure of Colton Pareko, and he he's trying to stick check, mm-hmm. and it's the downward chopping motion. But it wasn't like a tomahawk slash where it breaks yeah. the stick and it's obvious. Colton Pareko, I think, only had one hand on the stick as he's reaching toward the puck. Yeah, and he, he, he Spezza knocks it out of his hand. I I know that the rule is pretty black and white, and if somebody comes and does this big tomahawk two hand chop and knocks a stick out of your hands or breaks it, it's off. Like that's that yeah. should be slashing or they called it interference. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that one was that. Did you did you have issue with that? I, to me, it was um, a pretty lame ticky tack call. I thought it was. You know what? It, it wasn't. I want Colton Breaker to hold on to a stick on that one. I do. But the other thing is, it's also one where I don't think I don't spend too I don't lose too much sleep over it being a penalty. That's the thing where it's. I mean, I guess the yeah. thing is, is that that wasn't. I didn't think that was an undisciplined penalty. I thought that was an effort that just. I mean, it. It's not. I didn't think it was as bad of a penalty to take as some of the reaching hookings yes. and slashings when yeah. you don't need to. I, I, Am I splitting hairs? Maybe. Maybe, but it's either either way. It's I, th- I rolled my eyes more to the rest than it sets up for that one. Okay, I, I can see that. Um, either way, it sets up a power play. Tarasenko scores to make it three-one. Another good shot. Puts the game out of reach. Really, first um, penalty kill has been very good, but they left Tarasenko open oh, yeah, yeah. in a really good place to shoot. And again, uh, hard to fault your goaltender on that. Bishop made some good saves before that to keep the stars in the game. Yeah, he was the third. He was fine tonight. He was, he was fine tonight. He didn't deserve to give up three goals. No, no. And then, and then I think the thing kind of getting to the point, and this is going to be the key talking point. Um, Jim Montgomery's post game, and Jim and Monty's been tough on the team post game, but tonight he said something that has been said to me, I've heard multiple times this season, but has never been. Has never been the it's been the voice that people have said behind closed doors. Never publicly. Never publicly is stars. We have a culture of mediocrity, and that is not the first time I've heard that statement. I've heard that statement easily a hundred times this season. Do you think that that's the underlying prevalent message that drove the comments from Jim Lights partially New Year's Eve? Partially is that feeling of not just necessarily the performance of Ben and Sagan, although that was highlighted. But the fact that they're frustrated with the overall status of the squad over the last several seasons. I think, yes, that's part of it. And also, I think for Monty, I, I truly believe at some point during the job interview, I believe at some point the stars said to Monty, we have a culture of mediocrity. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just, but you're I'm, speculating. I'm speculating that at some point during the job interview, Jim Nill and Jim Light said to Monty, 
we have a culture of mediocrity. How can you change it? And that is the job that Monty came in here with his goal to change a culture of mediocrity. And that's something that I know it's something he wants to do. It's something that the team believes that they have, the, uh, those in the franchise believe it's a culture of mediocrity. And so this is not new for many. I know it's public. This is publicly. It's the first time people are hearing it from someone in the organization. But this is a belief that's been around the team all year. It's a belief that was in the t- around the team last year. Um, this is something that Monty has taken this really personally that he hasn't been able to change it because well, he, he, that's his job. It's his job. Right. And, yeah. He said as yeah. much in the post game. Uh, we didn't have the post game radio show tonight, so I went downstairs. Yeah. I was hoping for a jovial. We won and get to see the the atmosphere after. I mean, I've I've been in a post game before, but usually being on the radio, you don't get that opportunity because you're yeah. not down at that level. So let me ask you this: If the coach is a coveted young guy, as far as hockey goes, hockey coaches go, seems to be a very intelligent hockey man, has lots of progressive ideas, and seems to be uh, he's not getting out coached. So it doesn't seem like he's getting out coached within a game. So we can we can we can split hairs on that. Right. Oh, fine. But here's my point. Yes. You're looking at the coach and you say, okay, he's trying this, he's trying this, he's trying this, and nothing's working. But it doesn't seem like he's the issue. Yes. What's the next step? Well, okay. There's there's there is the coach is part of the issue, but just as far as I think he's still learning to be an NHL head coach. Um, however, however. The issue is this team doesn't give a damn in the first period at all, ever. Like right, okay, fine. No, 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 no. no. That's, you're that's, acknowledging that's, the issue, but the, what? How do you change that? If the coaching is trying everything, obviously one answer is I, if the coach tries everything, you can change coaches. I think that would be completely the wrong move right now. Yeah. With where we're at, so I'm asking, what do you think the next move is? If you, and I don't think you should consider coaching changes at the moment at all no not at all. so what i know what i'm thinking i'm wondering if you come up with the same thought you need to change the roster like it's so it's, then it, like right, so the gm has to step in no it's and has to shake up his his roster and I wrote, right and i wrote i wrote this in my story i mean i just feel like, like it's monty, you do monty is trying to push everybody and he's gone angry at them he's had the captains try and handle it he's he had meetings with individual lines at morning skate today. He's tried all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? At some point, you also need management to say, okay, maybe the button's not there to be pushed. Like that—that's that's how I look at this cool. team right now. Like, Let's compare. Yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins had a pretty horrid start to the season, mm-hmm. and it looked like, well, <clears throat> maybe they're just not the team they once were, and maybe this year is going to be the year that the Penguins become sort of obsolete, at least yeah. as far as this playoff push. Jim Rutherford has a history of not waiting around mm-hmm. to change the culture. Not so what yet. did he do? He shipped Carl Hagelin off and made a move with the L.A. Kings, and they bring in Tanner Pearson. Yep. Was he the uh, a top six number one target? Mm. That's debatable. Probably not. But he made a move to spice things up a little bit. Yeah, and it's not send a, a message. And, it, and and as much as adding a player could help, it's also the move itself that sends a That's message. That's what I mean. Yes. Sometimes it's just as much as right, obviously when you see the comments from Jim Lights, mm-hmm. it's pretty apparent that management isn't happy with the team. No, they're not. So, another way to do it, 
I'm not saying it's the only way or it's the right or wrong way. I mean, we've talked about this at length. But what Rutherford did is a pretty simple thing, isn't it? It's <coughs> excuse me for the coughing here. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm powering through yeah. this. It's this his move is a public way of saying, I don't like my team, we need to change. Yeah. And it could be as simple as like for like, which is what that was. Yeah. We're not really getting any better or worse as far as our overall talent rating, but just different. And maybe the the spice it up fresh face brings in some new life, new energy, and also puts the team on a little bit of a notice. Yeah. And, and, think? and, and it's the type of thing where you don't want to lose your teammates. That, that's, that's the thing. And, and you've seen, we've seen when the stars were sellers at the trade deadline a couple years back, where it's pretty glum when you're going to lose teammates. If you're put in a spot where you might be losing teammates or you might be... And they want to be in a position yeah, to be adding teammates. Yes. It's, they don't want to be in that spot. So it's... They need to do something. They need to make a move. And all the players, just to jump in, players that remain feel the burden of responsibility when a coach or a, a teammate is moved mm-hmm. out, right? They they all say, well, you know, this is on us. We, You know, when John Stevens got fired in L.A., for example, or Joel Quenville in, yeah. in Chicago, the players all said in the media, we didn't do well enough for yeah. him. We, this is on us. Yeah, and this is not trading. And this is not trading for. And this is no disrespect to Connor Carrick or Taylor Dune. This is not trading for a third pairing defenseman. No, 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 no. This no, is no. this is this is making a trade that shakes things up. Like that's what this is. Right. Oh. They need to make a move. That, it, I, it's it's. You know what? They could get into the playoffs with this group, and I think they probably will. But yes. Well, put let's put it this way. They're. General, their overall team defense and structure has been good. Yes. So they don't give up a ton. They're sorry for the. I got to get a cough drop out. Yeah. You're going to get some rattling noise. I'm trying to do it surreptitiously and it didn't work so well. So their overall team defending has been good. Their goaltending has been magnificent. Yes. And their special teams play, the penalty kill's been great. The power play has been hot and cold, trending up. Yep. Although tonight was eh. Last two games eh. After scoring six great games. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Overall, you're, you're, they do enough that they can be a playoff team. Yes. But as of right now, and it's the same thing the other night, Sean, when the Stars beat the Blues, Jim Montgomery wasn't happy. No. And why wasn't he happy? Because the third period was blue. They didn't do well in the third and, period in Winnipeg, yeah. and obviously they didn't do well in the whole game in Philly and tonight. And his point is... We can't just be celebrating the playoffs that we have at the moment or the playoff spot we have because once we get to the playoffs, if we play like this, we aren't going anywhere. And so instead of celebrating mediocrity, he's trying to light the culture change early enough that says, look, all right, let's not rest on our laurels here as a playoff team at the moment. Let's make sure we can actually be someone that can contend because – Jim Nill and many hockey people have said, if you can get into the, the, the postseason, one of the 16 teams, you can win the Stanley Cup. Obviously, that's over, overly simplistic, but he's right. Any team is capable of knocking off another team and then going on a run. But there are certain pieces and elements of your game you have to be able to do to do that, and I don't think the Stars are there at the moment. They aren't. They aren't. They, they, just, they just aren't. <laughs> like, yeah. So, okay. Let's Lightning round? Let's do it. All right. So I'm in better position now to perform with a cough drop. So let's get to 
the lightning round. Lots of mentions and questions, and try not to go cross-eyed here. They're not very happy, Sean. That's the first and foremost of it. And you know what? That's fair. Um, Stefan writes in, How the hell do the stars not get motivated for these games? They barely show up some nights. If it was just the depth scoring, it was it was one thing, but it's like most of the players would rather be anywhere else some nights. Well, it's the problem is that's an answer I don't have because if I had an answer, I would be I I wouldn't be. You'd probably be a motivational coach. Yes, probably. Um, well, and yeah. we that was asked by um, a couple of media outlets tonight, mm-hmm. including one question to Jim Montgomery, which was, both the players, yeah. Klingberg and, and Spezza, that spoke to the media. Yeah, were asked about preparation, especially getting ready and having better starts in the game. And they both said that each individual, this is the professionals. It's not as though you stand in the room and rah-rah like you would hear from a high school football coach. Mm -hmm. And they said each, you know, we're pros here. Each guy is responsible for getting himself ready however he does best so he can go out and execute from the opening faceoff. Which is uh, is true in a level. That is true to an extent. However, however... This is there. You have leadership group for a reason, and leadership. And you have group, coaches for a reason, and, and leadership group does have an impact. And if you're supposed to lead by example, and the stars don't have enough guys leading by example, they just don't. On the ice. On the ice. Right. Um, and, what, and whatever they're doing off the ice doesn't work. Just isn't it, working. It, it isn't working. Right. It's not working because the result's not there. Alex writes in, and we had kind of touched on this already. How how on earth are the stars still in third place? How are teams worse than we are right now? Well, that the second question is interesting. We've touched on the first. It's the goaltending yep. and the overall defensive play. How are teams worse than the stars? Well, the stars do have some top end talent, and they have very good goaltending right now. Not every team has what Ben uh, Ben Bishop and Antonio Dobin have been dishing out. And the stars also. Um, <coughs> The NHL this year, there's been a bit of a dip in the Western Conference, too. The Western Conference is not as good as it was. No. And well, and look, yeah. Chicago's not as good as yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, the Pacific is, eh. Mm-hmm. Vegas is getting better. They're going to be a tough, t- tough team to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Andrew writes in, I've never been more annoyed at a third-place divisional team. Are we just setting ourselves up for another cliff dive out of the playoffs, which would lead to another mediocre first-round traffic? Well... I'm not so sure I'm willing to say that. The last couple of uh, first-rounders, I think, have been pretty good. I'm very happy with Miro Haskinen's pick. The Ottinger pick might really yield something. I like Jason Robertson as a de facto first-rounder. He's taking the second round, but I mean, I mean that. We'll see, and then, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the first-round pick. I mean, and that's, then Ty Delandria. I, I, don't, I don't really want to. I don't really want to talk about I the first. I know round. we do there, that a lot. There's just so much time to spend on that right now that I just don't want to. Um, All right, first, like we, we can, we can, we can leave <coughs> it as a blanket statement. The Stars drafting needs to be better, and maybe it's been better in recent years. We just don't know whether Ty Delandria is going to be any good or not. All right, you like, need three or five years yeah, to really know like for sure. Josh writes in. What are y'all's hot takes on the Stars organization right now, and what can Monty do to change the culture of mediocrity? All right, we've answered that already, but mm-hmm. thank you, Josh, for writing in. Lethal Lisa writes in, do you think this roster could be a Stanley Cup contender based on current skill if they somehow manage to fire simultaneously? What are the minimum moves you would make make to change this? I think the first answer is no. No, it's right? not. Yeah, that's the answer. All right, well, <clears throat> I've heard, I've said this before. You've talked about this before. Stars need a second line that can score. 
Yes. I think right now they have a first line that is very talented and on certain nights are dominant and other nights are not as dominant, but still very good even when they're less. They're, they're still Ben Sagan and Radula. They have an excellent shutdown third line that has not produced offensively, but has been very good in their role of being a shutdown line. And then they have two lines of forwards that are essentially interchangeable. It's essentially two fourth lines and no second line. Correct. Do you agree with that? I do. They need a real second line. They don't have a real second line. I believe if they, with the goaltending they have now, the defensive structure the team has, maybe add another veteran defenseman just for the, uh, I mean. Or a healthy Stephen Johns. Well, that, that would be yeah. like that, that. Or even Mark Mathot if he could play again, which I don't know if he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, a, okay. a healthy Mark Mathot is a hypothetical, but he would help this team. He would help this team, but it's, I think okay, yes, right, yes, whatever. Yes. Okay, I'm but ultimately, right with what they have right now, if they had a real second line, are they going to win the Stanley Cup? Maybe, maybe not, but they would have a chance. If they had a real second line, that they could beat chance. most teams most nights. Yes, or but if they played up to their level, I mean, look, you're not always going to be at your best. You're not always going to execute. Because the other but, thing is, the real second line is not coming from within, because especially at least not they this tried season. Really hard, at least not this season, and. And there's certain guys that Devin Shore is what he is. Like even though Devin Shore has not scored in 25 games, mm-hmm. he's on pace the exact same amount of points he had last Which year. Which is crazy because I actually thought early in this one, Shore looked into the game and Achushkin looked into the game, yeah. but it didn't come to anything. Did you know? Just here, random fun fact. No, oh, we're did, fun facts tonight. Did you know if Val goes four, five, sorry, five more games without a goal or a penalty? He will set the NHL record for most games played without a goal or a penalty in NHL history in Both. one season. That I did not know. I do know that he was penalty free and yeah. goalless so far. But yeah, if he go, if he reaches 41 games, he will tie the NHL record for most consecutive games in a season without a goal and a penalty. That's wild. That's crazy, isn't it? Well, you would think that if you're a guy, and this is I'm not trying to say anything about Val, but. You think that if you've been playing as many games as he had this year and is as frustrated as he most surely is, it trips right, somebody that at some you point. would you'd play with a frustration yeah. and lash out a little bit and take a I mean, look, kudos to Val for not taking an undisciplined penalty, but would you trade a couple of them just for a little more edge to his game? I think yeah, so. Yeah, you would. Any edge to his game? Yeah, any edge. Um, he's a big guy. I'd love to see I don't know if it's in his disposition. To play, he certainly doesn't play the same style as Radulov does. I'm shaking my head, which I realize shows no does idea. not play well on a pod, on the carcass. Yeah. Um, Ryan writes in: Is there a leadership issue on the Stars? Monty's post game speaks words to a group of who aren't motivated. That's huge. Either they don't respect the coaches or the leaders of, on the team are the issue. What do you think? There is a leadership issue. There is because. The, the leadership is not setting the example that needs to be followed, or if they are setting the example that needs to be followed, then the room isn't following them. So, whether the, the, the leadership issue here, we to be to be able to dissect it, we need to be actually in that room, and we need to get access that we would never actually get. But there is an issue because there is not a message that leads to successful play from the group of leaders. If I kind of went around, I kind of messed my words while talking about that. So let me try a little bit better here. To be fair yeah. for Sean, he usually gets to write down what he's thinking, look yes. at it, and decide if it's right and, yes. and mix it up. It's essentially, different. essentially, the Stars have <laughs> the stars don't have a leadership group that is delivering right now. 
and maybe it's there. Maybe they can fix things right now, and maybe maybe they can do that. Maybe that's all that needs to change. Maybe maybe the leadership from the group needs to have a closed door meeting, and that'll do something. Whatever it is, there's a leadership issue because when the stars were great, when the stars were good, and it wasn't just his play, they would also follow Jamie Ben in other ways too. Jamie Ben physical, could, angry. Yes, Jamie Ben could not be scoring that night. Jamie Ben could not be doing other things that night and that he would still make his teammates better. That doesn't happen. And so that's that's what the Stars don't have. And whether that's something that they can get back or it's something that's gone forever, I don't know. Hopefully it's something they can get back. But, yes, there is a leadership issue. Basically all the other questions are about do you see a trade, we, there's a shakeup, what's the issue, is the GM the problem? I mean, there, there are all these other questions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this to you. I was listening to Chris Pronger on an athletic podcast from a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't this current one, but Craig Custance had a long chat. It was over an hour with him. One of the things Pronger said, and obviously he's a player from a different era than currently, but they were talking about the game today and the physical play or lack thereof, and he said that he would like to see some more anger in the game today. He said, I think the players are generally too nice to each other they're friendly you know in between teams there and <clears throat> he's saying from a fan's perspective don't you get more excited when you see two teams that have a history and have some issues with each other and you kind of look for, and he's not necessarily talking about going out and just having two guys slug it out but hey the other night Washington played Boston mm-hmm. Lars Eller got into it with uh with Brad Marchand earlier in the season and there were some things between those two that they weren't happy with. Going into the game, there was talk about that. Well, they didn't disappoint. There were penalties between the two. Uh, Eller tried to, to fight Marshawn on the ice. Marshawn drew him into that and refused to it and kind of ducked him and drew a power play. And there was a lot of vitriol in that game. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. But when you look at tonight's game, St. Louis-Dallas. Blue Stars in the last few years that I've covered the Dallas Stars and worked for the team has been a nasty game where guys don't like each other. Uh, again, it's a few years removed from Bacchus Ben fighting and hate. Just they just didn't like each other on the ice. Joel Edmondson clocked uh, Johnny Oduya with a hit to the head, which wasn't called because Oduya got back up. I mm-hmm. thought it was a suspendable hit, but then there was some nastiness with. It's been a rivalry, Sean, and it went to the second round of the playoffs a couple years ago that was just heated. And here's my point out of all that. There was no anger in the game tonight whatsoever, did you think? Not from either team, no. Right? It was just they just played a hockey game. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think you necessarily need to be pissed off at the other guy all the time. You should be a professional. You should be able to execute your own way. But that kind of passion... The intensity is fun. That's why playoff hockey is great because the intensity it's is also, so it's, high. It's also, it's also the other thing too is, it's also, it's also the thing that gets Jamie Ben going. Like seriously, we talk about other other coaches. I think don't piss off the Rhino. Coach, coaches have right? talked. Yeah, coaches have talked about. You know what? Let's let Jamie Ben be. Let's let. When there's no passion in a game, Jamie Ben doesn't care. I don't know if Jonas doesn't care is the right word, but he. It looks like it. Right, okay, so it looks like it is, because I can't tell you what Jamie Ben's thinking in his head. You're right. I can't. You're right. He might be trying really hard and caring a lot, but it just doesn't outwardly emanate. 
You know what? He could inject that passion into the game himself. Right. He can. So, but but your point is, I'm I'm arguing it's semantics, but but your point is right. Mm-hmm. When he gets riled up, he seems to unleash what we've been calling beast mode, to steal the Marshawn Lynch term. But basically, to be a dominant force that it almost can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that as much as we used to. Now hard, I'm not hard, trying to throw hard, all this hard, on Jamie. hardly ever, but right. yeah. I'm not trying to throw this all on Jamie Ben. There's lots of There's issues. There's lots here. of issues. There's lots of issues. And I still think this team could be a very tough out for a lot of teams if they added some added a second line. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I want to tackle one other issue that I saw. Okay. Speaking of Jamie Ben, just because I saw, <coughs> just looking at Twitter right now, I saw it was one of the questions, and I know there was talking about we talk about shakeups and trades and everything like that. One thing that was on there was. Is it time to trade at Jamie Ben? That is easier said than done. And that is the and that is the big issue there because there are a couple big factors here. A, the cap hit at nine point five for six more years after this season. Seven. Isn't this year one of eight year deal? Uh, yeah. Or we might be off by a year. Either way, it's six or seven years of nine point five after this season. Uh, it's a lot of money for a long time. It's a lot of money for a long time. And it's a lot of uh, signing bonus money, cap uh, lockout-proof money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's, or so, lockout-protected. The other thing is there's the full no-move clause for Jamie. That's step one. Yeah. Even the money. Like, there are teams out there that would probably entertain Jamie Benn in the current contract if that was something that you actually wanted to do. Yeah. But you can't move him unless he says, okay. Yeah. Right, he has so, to waive it. And, 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 so the thing you the, can't move Jason Spezza this year, unless he said so. Now correct. Tyler Sagan has a no move. You can't yeah. move him. Yep. So the thing with James trading Jimmy Ben, and it, it, it's why people say ask if is it a good idea or a bad idea or whatever. It's hard. It doesn't matter what we think until Jamie Ben thinks it's a good idea for him to be traded. It doesn't matter. Like that's right. that's the problem. Like well, we but, talked about this when it, Light's it, comments it, it, came it, out. Was one of the thoughts that was speculative was is this an effort to basically drive a player out to make them not want to be here anymore and say you know what I've had it here. I have a no move, but these are the teams I'd be willing to go to. Get, send me somewhere. I don't want to be here. Now, I'm, I don't think that was what that was for. Jim Lights said he hopes that they shove it down his throat. Yeah. They ho- he hopes he, it, it fires him up. I, they, I mean, we can ask, hey, should the James be traded? Should he not be? Just until he feels like he's either been pushed out or he gets just too pissed off, he's not going anywhere. And it's, and the other thing is, I think he's comfortable here making nine point five million dollars a year. He should, yeah. yeah. It's a nice place to play. And look, there's more to it than that. And I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't. We're just simply talking about some people that have, have brought up the subject, right? I'm not championing that he should be traded, and I'm not. I'm, I'm just not taking. I'm taking Switzerland right now, Sean. Yes. There are other p- players on this roster that are here because of Jamie Benn, right? Tyler Sagan signed a contract extension because he likes being in Dallas. He wants to win with this team and. He likes playing with Jamie Benn. Yeah. Right? Well, Alexander Radulov signed as a free agent because of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and the thought that they could win. And one of the reasons that and, – and to give more credit to – So there will be other and, players and, and, affected but, but even, than just – Well, one of the reasons the Stars got the meeting with John Tavares is because Tavares entertained the, the idea of playing with Ben. And Sagan. Yes. Yeah. Hey, so, Ben Sagan, Radulov, Klingberg, Bishop, I like where you're going with this. Right. You, you don't even get on that short list if you don't have those guys. Yeah. The question is, 
And it's not just on Ben, but Ben obviously is one of the leaders. He's obviously the captain. He makes the most money this year. Is most in the NHL. Right. The question is, can he find the gear that you need him more consistently? Do you have to motivate him to do it? Can you still motivate him? Are these? I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think he's trying hard. I think he cares. I, so here's the thing that's interesting, just like... But does he does he have to be angry? But, okay, here's the thing that's both interesting and... So on Monday, I'm in St. Louis, and there's the Stars have an optional practice on Monday in St. Louis. It was after the Winnipeg loss on yeah. Sunday. And there's only like five or six guys at the rink. A couple, couple guys were healthy scratches that in Winnipeg. Uh, ben Bishop was there. Um, Who didn't play? No, he played. Yeah, uh, but he was... no. Yeah, he was there. Bishop was there. We working with Jeff Reese. Both goalies were there. Oh, um, and Jamie Ben is there too. And Jamie Ben is actually working his off ass off in this optional practice. Okay. Like it was the type of thing where you're watching him and you're like, it was it was the type of practice where you like you know in like the old cliche movie where it's like oh someone's working really hard and you have no idea that. Remember that Ben didn't play against the Capitals and then returned against Winnipeg the day before. Yeah. Of this practice. But, but, so it was the type of thing where this this it's this optional and, and Jamie's working really hard. Like, and it's everything you're watching, and I remember it's one of the things where you look at it and you're like, you know what? He's going to have a good game tomorrow night against St. Louis. Like, it was one of those things where you're yeah. like, like, you know what? He's working his ass off. He's got this message. You felt like there was yeah. a real motivational yeah. flow going. And he wasn't there. Like, then they, then they play St. Louis the next night, and you're like, okay, where, where'd it go? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's yeah. the thing where it's, you know what? He tries hard. He tries hard. He, he works hard off the ice. I just, just not there. Like, look, here's the thing. We are not professional hockey players. No. But we both play. And so you, there are some parallels, albeit very weak ones, because we're not playing at that same level. We're not playing for money. We're not playing against the best players in the world that are trying to, to beat you on every given night. But when you go out and skate a pickup game or a beer league game or even a college club game or a high school game, you're going to have games where you're not as good mm-hmm. and you try just as hard and things don't just go your way. There are shifts in it from one shift to the next. You'll go out there and things will click and you'll have a great shift and you'll hem the other team in the zone. I did this at the Seve Neuter yesterday. This is how far down this it was a big day. Huh? It was a big day. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. There are, there are a wide range of, of skill levels at this and one shift we have dominate. We're all over the zone. We're getting scoring chances. We're cycling. We're hemming the other team in. The very next shift, trying just as hard, stuck in her own zone, couldn't get anything right, couldn't make a pass, couldn't clear the puck out. Bell goes off for the shift change, and you go, that was awful. That happens. It happens from game to game. It can happen from period to period or shift to shift. Now, again, not at all trying to compare myself to a – professional let alone an nhl or the top level of professional hockey but you can try as hard as you can and things can not go your way you'd like to think the longer you do the right things and you try your you know your effort it'll all even out in the end and you'll trend better than not when you're doing the right things right it's is that a fair analogy it is. You don't like to, me and I bring up beer <laughs> no that's not what I'm I no I see your point but the other thing is for a player of Jamie's talent and for what he is supposed to be, it shouldn't happen as often as it does. 
that's, fair. That's, and that's, right. Yeah. And so here's the other thing, Sean. In every sport that I've played, and I've played a whole bunch of different ones growing up and now as an adult too, the one there are certain players. Uh, I've, I've played soccer for a really long time. There are certain players in soccer, and I, I feel like there's a lot of parallels with soccer and hockey because of the flow of the game, mm-hmm. that the puck or the ball in soccer seems to gravitate towards. Yeah. They're always involved in the play. And the really good players aren't just great with skill, but they have a way of just getting the puck, getting the ball, being in those areas to make an impact where you kind of make your skate around or you run around and you're trying to be that, that involved, but they just kind of don't, they dictate. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yes, exactly. Being able to drive possession with your team, your shift and make things happen, be impactful. Yeah. Is that no, that's that's a good way to put it. And on top of all of this, and this is something where it's like I had soccer games, Sean, where I'd play and I'd go, Man, I ran up and down the field. I did this and this and this. I barely touched the ball. This guy on the other team, I did, I tracked him a whole bunch. He had the ball ten times, he had three shots, he scored a goal. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. How did he do that? It just it's a knack. It's a knack. And the other thing is we've been we've been talking quite a bit about the big guys and stuff like that who need to be better. But the other thing is, and, and this kind of, and this kind of goes back to us talking about them needing to make a move at the end of the day is an Eric Condra score tonight, but Eric Condra's on your so-called second line. Like that's, I like Eric Condra. Yeah. He's, he's a fun guy to talk to. He's been up and down in the NHL, right? He's played almost what? 306, almost seven, 370 yeah. games, 40th goal of his NHL career. So this is not some guy that's just some, some scrub. But he is a he's yeah. at the he's the waning part of his career. He should be on your second line. And that, and right. In the fact, in the fact, in the fact, I'm that, happy it, for him. And the fact that we are at a spot <coughs> where people are getting angry about the Stars lineup because of Eric Condra says way more about the Stars lineup than it does Eric Condra. Oh, it's not a slight like, at him at all. Kudos yeah. for him for getting a goal. Yeah. He plays the smart brand of hockey. It's tough when your head coach says, "I love this guy. I had him a long time ago when he was in college." He's really smart. Wish he was faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. And this is just because I want to touch on this because I know this is the this is the going around thing on Twitter that I saw tonight, and I just want to be because I think it's important to be fair to this individual. Joel Esperance. Joel Esperance cannot be expected to come up and fix the offense. That is that is the that reason is, why it's brought up is he had two goals tonight. He had a goal last night for the Texas he's Stars. He's 22 in the season. He's now one off of Chris Terry, who mm-hmm. is a longtime. AHL stud, NHL sort of tweener. Mm-hmm. He was drafted by the Hurricanes. I had him when we were in Albany, and then he played a ton for the Charlotte Checkers. He's now with the Grand Rapids Griffins. He's bounced around a bit yeah. as one of those guys, the 4A guys. Yeah. Really, really good in the AHL. Can't quite find the spot in the NHL because he needs to be in the top six, but he's a better, you know, he's more in the bottom six role. And you, Anyway, yeah. Terry has 23 goals this year. Les Brown says 22. Those are the top two goal scores in the AHL as it stands right now. Yeah. And and I saw people on Twitter saying, okay, well, we should call up Les Brown so he can fix the offense. Now, I think Les Brown deserves a call-up. He's played well enough to deserve a call-up. I do, too. And, and so that but can be true. there that are two problems there. But just because someone scores in the AHL doesn't mean they'll score in the NHL. Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier. Great AHL goal scorer. Curtis 37 McKenzie. in one year. Curtis McKenzie. Mm-hmm. You have Travis Morin, who was a tremendous AHL goal scorer, who never, who never became an NHL goal scorer. Just because you scored in the AHL doesn't mean you can score in the NHL. That's right. And, and opportunities, too, that you're not going to get. 
That's he's the other a center. Thing. And that's the other thing. Think about this. That's what I'm talking about. Here, here's the big thing with Joel Esperance. Joel Esperance doesn't feel that comfortable on wing. He's told me that. Yeah. So we're going to say, okay, where are you going to play? Okay, he's not going to center the first line. He's not going to center the second line. He's not going to well, actually. You know, whatever. At this point, yeah. why not? But I say if he doesn't come on play center, we're going to say, okay, hey, we're going to put you in the toughest position you've ever been in your career. Where you don't feel comfortable. I think right now, if they are going to do it, they have to put him at center. Yes, Fourth line to. or second line, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They've done that with Rope Hintz. Mm-hmm. Hintz has been fine, but he hasn't scored. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, the whole list of guys that they've brought up. Justin Dowling played very well. Made a couple of nice plays, had some assists. Hit a couple of posts. If he could have scored, then he's probably in the lineup still. Mm-hmm. Denis Gurionov scored one goal off of a deflection that hit his pants and went in. And that's it. Yeah. Still more goals than Val. Mm-hmm. Uh, not trying to take a cheap shot, but it was a cheap shot. It was a cheap shot. Um, but Denny, Denny has been good in the AHL again, but mm-hmm. he doesn't. He hasn't been able to translate it yet. Now he's a first rounder. There's a lot of potential. He'll get some yes. more chances. Um, other forwards that have gotten opportunities: Rope Hints up and down the lineup, a couple of times. What's the one thing he hasn't done? Score. They are trying so hard to try to find this internal answer. If one guy, the, the opportunity is there, Sean. If one guy from the AHL came up and put a puck in the net once in a while, he's on this team for a, for the foreseeable future. Yep. Right? Oh, it's sure. that simple. For sure. I mean, but look, look at, it's not that easy to score in the NHL. No, it's not. That's the it's real not. message. It's not. So. All right, we could rant for a yeah, while. Yeah, we could. Everyone, it's late. Thank you for listening. Um, it was. Uh, enjoy hope, your Sunday if I, you can hope, not wallow in your misery. I hope you enjoyed the only audio post game show from this game. And uh, everyone, uh, be better than mediocre because I know you all are.